Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. That's where you go to find the archives. And I appreciate all of you uh, who pray and support this broadcast. Today, we are looking at or resuming our study in 1 Corinthians, and we're ready for chapter 14. Four, chapter 14 deals with a couple of things, but really it's one thing, or a general thing. Paul is, well, let's just back up. Last week, when we read chapters 12 and 13, it was dealing with spiritual gifts. And now everybody is part of the body, and everybody has a role to play and that one thing isn't more important than the other thing like a hand wouldn't say to the foot I don't need you right your eye wouldn't say to your ear I don't need like everybody is important and the body functions and needs every little piece to function properly and how we're each important and playing an important role. And some people may think that uh, that they play an insignificant role or they're a piece of the body that the that the body could survive without. And to that, I just want to say I could technically survive without my hand. Right? But just because I can survive without it doesn't mean it's not important. In fact, it's extremely important. In fact, my body's not whole without it. Furthermore, if I'm missing a piece, then the other parts of my body have to pick up the slack. And then those parts start doing things that they weren't supposed to be doing because they have to pick up the slack from the missing piece. Everything matters. All of you, every little role that you play is important to the whole body of Christ. And so please do not uh, think of yourself as a piece that's irrelevant or could be lived without or of no value. And furthermore, just because you may not know what that is, what the value is or what the calling is at this very moment in your life doesn't mean it doesn't have a value or you don't have value or purpose within the body all of the it's all important we're all playing a role here so now here in chapter 14 Paul is going to distinguish importance because apparently there was a huge focus on tongues And so he has to come in and say, actually, if you're going to desire spiritual gift, you need to seek after love. And as far as the spiritual gift, you need to seek after prophecy. And we're going to talk about what that means because it doesn't mean what modern day Christians think it means. Um, And we'll talk about that here in a minute. But he's going to contrast prophecy versus tongues. And then at the end, he short, quickly addresses women speaking in the church. And we're going to talk about what he's saying here and the context of what he's addressing here and what do I think about it. 
And so that is what is on the agenda for today. I pray that you would open up your hearts. Let the word of God speak to you. Be not offended by the word of God, but be strengthened and edified by it. And be submissive to it. With that said, let's begin. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. All right. Let's stop there and have a short conversation here. First, let's just deal with prophesy. What is he talking about? I want to argue to you that he's not talking about what's immediately probably coming to your mind if you're in a Western society. Uh, our culture in the last 50 years has been bombarded with prophecy teaching and prophecy books. And even my, even I myself have written one. Um. Uh, just it's just nothing but end time prophecy and interpretations and and so people think when they think of prophecy, all they think is future or the telling of the future. But that's not what Paul's talking about. What he's talking about is the gift of being able to teach and explain plainly the scriptures. And I'll take my word for it. And I'll just give you a little bit of commentary from uh, some commentators here. Here's what F.B. Meyer says. The word prophecy is used here as so largely in scripture, not in the limited sense of foretelling the future, but of pouring forth heaven given speech. That's F.B. Meyer. John Wesley says, follow after love with zeal, vigor, courage, patience, else you can neither attain it nor keep it. And in their place as a subservient to this, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. The word here does not mean foretelling things to come, but rather opening and applying scripture. Matthew Henry. Here's what he says. While there are while they were in close pursuit of charity and made this Christian disposition their chief scope, they might be zealous of spiritual gifts. Be ambitious of them in some measure, but especially of prophesying, that is, of interpreting scripture. So I just want to make it clear that what we're talking about is the is the heaven-given ability from above to apply the scriptures in a way 
that people can interpret, people can understand. Paul is saying, if you want a spiritual gift, this is the one that you should really be, seek after. This is the one you should be praying for, that you would be able to open up the word to people and they could be transformed by it. That's the spiritual gift to pursue. Not the spiritual gifts of tongues, because tongues doesn't edify the church or those around you. And he's going to get into a little bit more about that here in a second. Like if you're speaking in tongues, people around you don't even understand what you're saying. It edifies yourself because you're you're spiritually, you know, communing with God. But those it doesn't edify the church. It doesn't edify the assembly. What edifies the assembly is being able to open up and plainly explain the scriptures. So that's what Paul is dealing with here. He's not dealing with seek the ability to foretell the future, as many make the mistake of thinking. Let me go back to verse 4. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edification or edifying. So he's saying if you, if you're, if you have like a, a, a pastor up there and he's like speaking in tongues, that is no good to the church unless there's someone there who has the gift of interpretation of tongues. Furthermore, when he says tongues, plural, he's not just talking about like uh, angelic tongue or whatever, the spiritual tongue you want to talk about. He's also talking about like the gift of tongues was that you would speak in a language that other people understood even though you didn't understand it for the purpose of sharing the gospel. Continuing on. Verse 6. But now, brethren, If I come to you in speaking in tongues, what will I profit unless I speak to you either by the way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching? Yet, even lifeless things, either a flute or a harp, and producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how will it be known what is played on the flute or on the harp? For if the bogle produces an an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? So also, unless you utter by the tongue speech that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are perhaps a great many kinds of languages in the world. And no kind is without meaning. If then I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be to one who speaks as a barbarian. And one who speaks will be a barbarian to me. Please note, this is just a side thought that's coming to my mind. When I do the Torah portions, a lot of times I'll read out of the Holy Scriptures or something that uses a little bit more Hebrew Um, The reason why, and maybe annoying to some, that I will interpret those words often on the fly many times throughout the reading is because of this very thing. 
Like, I'm speaking to predominantly an English-speaking audience. I therefore need to be speaking English. Or if I'm using a word that's not English, I need to interpret it. Why? Because the point is to teach the scriptures not to be uh, obsessive about sacred names. Right? What's the goal? (laughs) The goal is to teach the scriptures so that people will be strengthened in the Lord. So, in my opinion, if I'm going to do that, then I need to frequently... Like if I'm gonna t- if I'm gonna use words like that, then I need to frequently interpret them and demonstrate what they mean, so that people are being fed. What good is it if you're hearing a bunch of words you don't understand? That's what Paul's saying here. Also, he's saying what he's saying. What good is it if, if I if I don't understand the language? How am I going to be strengthened and edified by God if I don't even understand what's being said? So again, he's, he's, he's contrasting. It's more valuable to be able to plainly teach and explain scripture than to speak in unknown tongues. Verse 12. So also, you are zealous of spiritual gifts. Seek to abound for the edification of the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue, pray that he may interpret For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the mind also. Otherwise, if you bless in the spirit only, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say the amen? Are you giving of thanks since he does not know what you are saying? For you're giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not edified. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. However, in the church I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also, rather than ten thousand words in a tongue. So there was clearly an issue that was going on with Corinth. There was an obsession obsession about the gifts of tongues. Not unlike some churches and believers today. And Paul's like, look, I have more. Let's just read his words again. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. However, in the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. He's like, you think you guys can speak in tongues? I'm I'm way beyond the gifts that God has given me in that area arena are way beyond yours but that I'm not concerned with that when I come to the church or to the assembly I just praying that I'll have five words that I can speak plainly to you that you'll understand that will instruct you in the way rather than 10,000 words in some tongue you're not going to understand So Paul has made that very, very clear. Continuing on, verse 20. Brethren, do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be infants. But in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by men of strange tongues 
and by the lips of strangers I will speak to this people, and even so they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Please note, just an interesting thought. Uh, Paul's quoting from Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, but he refers to it as the law. Just something interesting. Let's continue on. So then, verse 22. So then, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is for a sign, not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues and ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are mad? This is important. Paul's like, this is, this is why I think primarily, not, not always, but primarily tongues is the gift in which you are sharing the gospel with a person in their own and they're in their hearing it in their own language you may not even know right that you're speaking in a in a foreign tongue think about in the book of acts when peter's teaching and you've got people there for the feast and they're from all different regions and some of them speak different languages and they and they say how is it that we're hearing him all in our own language like that's the gift right there and that's the purpose of the gift um it was it was a sign to unbelievers, a miraculous sign, so they go, hey, there's something real to this. How is this possible? So that they might believe and also hear the good news. The gift of prophecy is for those who already believe. It's so that they can be edified, strengthened, and understand God's word better. Let me read Paul's words to you real quickly one more time. So then, tongues are for a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is for a sign not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. Therefore, the whole church assemblies together and all speak in tongues, and ungifted men or unbelievers enter. Will they not say that you are mad? So it'd be like you're an English speaker. You're, you don't know anything about God, and you walk in, and... They're speaking things that sound like crazy gibberish to you. And you think these people are crazy. And you walk out. How many times is, how many, I wonder how many times it's happened. Because people are focused on internal things rather than what edifies the church. Continuing on. So they'll think you're mad. Verse 24, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever, an ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. What is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, and has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Paul's saying all of these gifts and all of these things have a place, but they need to be orderly. orderly, So that it edifies, strengthens, pierces hearts. 
verse 27, if anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or at the most three in each in turn, and one must interpret. Paul's saying if there's going to be people standing up, speaking in tongues, there needs to be an interpreter there, and there can't be more than a couple of people doing that, or we're going to have madness at one time. But if there is interpreter, he must keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. I'm sorry, let me read that again. But if there is no interpreter, so if you're going to have people doing that, there needs to be someone with the gift of interpretation. If there's not somebody with the gift of interpretation, then the person speaking in tongues must, the person with the gift of tongues must keep silent and speak to himself and to God. Now here's about prophesying, teaching. Let two or three prophets speak and let others pass judgment. But if a revelation is made to another who is seated, the first one must keep silent, for you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all may be exhorted. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. So the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. He's saying you can't all stand up and be prophesying at once. That's going to create confusion. Now, some of this stuff you might think, well, this is just common decency and common sense. Yes, but Paul's addressing issues that were taking place in the Corinth church. Here's the next issue, which had to deal with women speaking in the church. Now, the context of the conversation is what? You can't have a bunch of people standing up in the middle of the services, uh, speaking in tongues, especially not without an interpreter. You can't have a bunch of people trying to prophesy at one time, right? There needs to be order. Likewise, you can't have women standing up doing this. They must have had an issue where women would stand up without burst or, or things of this nation or questions. And so Paul's addressing this. Here's what he says. Verse 34, the women are to keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak but are to subject themselves just as the law also says. If they desire to learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is improper for a woman to speak in the church. Now, it's very clear that this is part of the context and issue of interruption. So he's saying you need to do like what the law says, which is be subject to your husbands and you don't speak in these situations you go you wait and you can ask these questions to your husband later who should be the spiritual head of your house this does not mean that women don't have the spiritual gift of prophecy absolutely women can be gifted at teaching scripture but everything has its proper order and the order is you're not to be the head of the church a woman is not to be preaching and teaching in the church. That's that's what the scriptures teach. Shouldn't be offensive, but look at the world we're living in today. Somebody's going to be all worked up about this. But that's what the scriptures teach. So if you have if you take issue with it, take it up with God, not with me. I'm just reading you the words. But that is what the scriptures are clearly, plainly 
teaching. But it's important to understand that that does not mean women can't prophesy or teach or understand scripture. It's all, but it all has to be in its right, proper order. This issue, the context here is we, there must have been an issue where women were standing up, interrupting, asking questions, or trying to prophesy, what have you. So Paul's addressing that issue that they were clearly having. Verse 36, was it from you that the word of God just went forth, or has it come to you only? If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. But if anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak in tongues, but all things must be done properly and in orderly manner. Well, there you have it. That is 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I hope that I've done well by all of you in teaching this morning. I hope your hearts have been pierced. I hope there's been clarity about these things, what, is, what it means. Hopefully, I've done a good job of opening up the scriptures and applying them in a manner that makes sense. This is my great privilege and my great honor. And I'm just so blessed to have done this for going on a decade now. It's, it's hard to fathom. It's hard for me to believe that I've gotten up in the early morning, still dark every morning to study and to do this, do these recordings for almost 10 years. And uh, I'm just eternally grateful to have been able to participate in this. And I hope all of you have been blessed uh, and just edified and all these things that and we just read about that Paul was just talking about. All right. That's all I have for you this morning. Peace and grace be with you all. And until next time, God bless.